Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Vanessa Acosta of WASI. So welcome to the show, Vanessa. Hi, happy to be here. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, so I am Vanessa Acosta. I'm the founder and CEO of Wasi Clothing. Uh, Wasi Clothing is a Bolivian American owned brand. It is also an ethical and sustainable brand based in Los Angeles. And this brand was made to represent the Bolivian community as well as creating um, a safe space space for BIPOC, made by BIPOC, uh, and allies as well. Awesome. Uh, There's so much there that I want to talk about, but let's kind of start at the beginning. How did WASI get started? Um, I started, WASI officially came uh, to be back in 2018, but back in 2016, I actually quit my fashion job. Um, and that was the reason why I started my business. I was just not having a pleasant time in the fashion industry. And it, it was like that, that kind of moment where I was just like, okay, like enough is enough. Uh, you can be doing better things and creating a business that is better than this model that the fashion industry has used for so long. And so I left my job and at the beginning of 2017, I started to put stuff online, design things. People really responded well to it. Um, I think uh, at that moment in time, there wasn't really a lot of Bolivian culture out there. So uh, I think a lot of people in the Bolivian community really saw that um, and were desperate to see that and were really excited to finally see something uh, happening in the Bolivian community. Uh, And I think in 2016, since it was such a political time, I think a lot of Latina businesses, a lot of POC businesses um, started to come out. And so that's kind of what got it started. And since the response was so well, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, people actually like what I'm doing. I should probably treat this like a legitimate business. So in 2018, um, I rebranded it and I was like, okay, like this is a legit business time to actually give it like a proper name that I can get behind. And um, so I started Wasi Clothing and it's just been nothing but uphill from, from there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And I, yeah. In the election year too, in 2016 and yeah, very political kind of like what we mm-hmm. just went through. So I can totally see right. how you know, people resonated with, you know, the values that they, you know, aligned with and the culture that they were um, immersed in. And so that's really Mm -hmm. cool. So do you mind talking a little bit more about your job in fashion that you left? Like, what was it that you saw in the industry that you weren't happy with and were like, no, I'm going to make a business do better in these ways? Because I think, you know, fashion industry can be very toxic and we all know that, but Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to know like what you saw that then prompted you to say, no, I think there's a better way to do this. Yeah. Um, So I worked at multiple brands like that were domestic and also import. Um, But what I saw across the board is that there was such a, 
there was such a drastic divide within the people in like the design office compared to people in the warehouse. And I got to see like that drastic kind of segregation because I was a Latina that wasn't in the warehouse. I was in the design office. Um, so a lot of the jobs that I got hired in, you know, I was, I was that like, I was that Latina that was bilingual. So of course I had the leg up because I could speak to the, the workers in the warehouse and speak to the pattern makers and speak to the sewers while there were my white counterparts who didn't have, um, who didn't have that. And um, so I got to see how life was in the design office and how it was with the garment workers and the warehouse workers. And after being in that for like a decade, it really, it really wears you down when you're a person of color, because as I worked for different companies, it progressively got worse. You know, at some companies, there was absolutely no diversity in the shoots. I worked at one company that only hired blonde thin models. And it was crazy that at some points I would get excited when they casted a brunette model. Like that's how desperate I was <laughs> yeah. to see some sort of diversity. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just at, at one point me and a Korean employee were, were completely uh, taken into a different office while the white design team was in a completely different office, which I look back on that now and I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely not and, okay. And um, when we would have like holiday parties and stuff like that, a lot of like the white design team would never, would never participate in any of these warehouse holiday parties where I would be one of the only ones from the design team to be participating in that. Um, so I kind of saw the, the, you know, both sides of it. And, um, also personally, like I was paid significantly less and, um, I was overworked and like the expectations for me to, you know, have long, long days of work where I wouldn't be, I'd be the last one in the warehouse working and then finding out that I was being paid like so much less than my other team members. Mm -hmm. I think that's what kind of like took me overboard. And I was like, I have been working my butt off um, and I wasn't treated well. I was in a very tough, there was just so many things that the list can go on. <laughs> um, yeah, that, sound, it, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, so like, and also being, you know, I was the first one in my family to go to college. I was the first one to kind of be outside of like be outside of like our Orange County bubble where I grew up in and you know I was in this uh work environment and in the industry so I didn't I didn't know my worth I didn't know that I deserved better and mm. <clears throat> and then so yeah so I think 2016 at the end of it even with like the political climate and what everything was happening I think all of it just kind of like meshed together and I was like that's it like I know my worth I can do better. Um, and um, that's what kind of pushed me over the board to, uh, to push me to create my, my own business to, to be more diverse, to be more representative of, of different body types, different skin tones, um, you know, uh, non-binary people, um, and also to be ethical. So 
to also ethically pay my workers and to also create a diverse team. Um, so it's not this segregated, only the people of color in the warehouse and the white folks in the design office, but to all of that be meshed together. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, you know, I'm sure that was like super eye-opening to see and, you know, hear about mm -hmm. that. And I think it's so sad that um, just in general, I see this in the industry, the, the workers and the sewers and the, you know, like that end of fashion production is so undervalued and not treated well when in reality like they're the ones making the stuff like they're doing the work to make the garment yeah. and so it's like how how is that not as important as any of the tasks happening in the office you know like right it's, you can't have one without the other so to you know underpay or you know treat poorly the workers when mm -hmm. the design team you know like that's not good for anybody in the long term so yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Awesome. So what, what were kind of the things that you, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about wanting more diversity and, you know, ethical production mm -hmm. and stuff, but um, it, it sounds like you kind of took those values and things you wanted to do better at and built that as the foundation of WASI. Is that kind of what you did from the beginning? Yeah. Um, I wanted to build a brand that because I feel like back in 2016, which wasn't even that long ago, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of when um, I think talks of the fashion industry being more diverse and being more body inclusive and size inclusive started to happen. Like that mm -hmm. was the beginning of these talks for, for people really pushing and demanding more of that. So um, that was definitely a lot, like many of the factors for me to start my own business to, because when... I started my business, I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I, I want to shoot all different types of women. Like I want to shoot black women, indigenous women, Latina women, white women, um, Asian women, like every skin tone, every, every culture, like I want people to see themselves in the brand. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was one of the, the main factors for me in starting the business, because I think it was so, I, I was so, um, I was just so heavily just like in this industry where it was all white, thin, blonde women. And, you know, that's fine to feature that type of women, but to also feature a variety and a, you know, diverse range of women as well, to not only mm -hmm. have that as the standard. And I wanted the, to be the complete opposite of that. I wanted to show everyone um, so yeah, that's definitely one of the things and, you know, being a person of color and being a person of color that was treated so poorly in the industry, I really wanted to be ethical as well to really show that we need to appreciate garment workers in this industry, because like you said, you know, garment workers are just as important as the people on the design team in the offices. I mean, garment workers, people look at garment workers as like, oh, they just sew the garments, but garment workers know how to read a pattern they know how to construct a garment. They know a fit. They know fit. They know trims. They know so much more mm -hmm. than like the the worth that they're given by this traditional fashion industry standard. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's never enough. Like, um, I'm I'm in the Midwest, and 
like there are never enough good seamstresses like everybody wants mm-hmm. a good seamstress and it's like right you know you pay, pay them well because you need them yeah. and everybody knows it <laughs> and sometimes like yeah like my sewer is amazing um I when I started my business I was I started with just me doing the sewing but now that I am able, now that I've grown and I'm able to outsource a sewer, my sewer is amazing. Like he has helped me so much in finalizing and really getting fits right. And really mm-hmm. just like deciding on the right trim. And I'm like, he, he is a lifesaver. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much knowledge on the factory and production mm-hmm. side of like, cause they're working day in and day out with the materials and everything. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I'm curious, what does the name Wasi mean? Um, Wasi is a really special name. And um, when I decided to change the name of my brand to Wasi, I, it, I wasn't connected to what the name it was before. Before it was Paragon Desert. And it was just a name that I had. Uh, I already had the domain because me and my friend were selling vintage clothing on the side just to make some extra money. So I was like, I already have the domain. I was lazy. I was like, I'll just use this and build from that. But when it became a business that I could see growing, I was like, okay, I need to figure out a name that I could get behind that I believe in. And um, one of the last words that my grandfather translated to me when I last visited him in Bolivia was Wasi, which means home uh, in Quechua, which is the indigenous um, dialect that my grandfather spoke. Um, and he passed away, but he, that was one of the last words he translated for me. And um, I decided to name it Wasi Clothing in homage to my grandfather, to my ancestors, to my culture, as well as, well as it signifying um, the word home, like a safe space, a home for BIPOC who shop there, as well as allies who shop there. That's a really special name. It's like such a personal story and like... Mm-hmm connection but then also embodies the current brand so that's really cool right yeah um so do you just sell clothing I believe you also have kind of like accessory and other items too do you have any home things as well I do yeah I started off with just selling like some uh like one of a kind cut and sew items that I was sewing myself but um in the past couple of years um in the most recently in the past year um I started to expand to t-shirts, more cut and sew items, um, and um, like accessories like totes um, and little makeup bags and also home products. So I sell some woven blankets um, for a short amount of time. I, sh- I uh, sold some pillows last year. Um, but since I'm a low production brand, a lot of the stuff that, um, I put up on the site, sometimes it's just, like a test run. And Mm. I'm like, if this does well, I'll keep it running. If it doesn't, like it's getting axed. Um, but yeah, I'm selling home stuff, accessories. I introduced kids wear as well last year. Um, last year was a wild year, 2020, you know, Mm -hmm. I was, um, I was working a full-time job and Wasi was my side gig. And then all of a sudden it had to become my full-time gig because I got laid off. So that gave me more time to come up with more designs to figure out what the brand could expand to. And um, yeah, I think it's like a, a well-rounded shop now um, with it's kind of like a one-stop shop of different things. And 
uh, in March, I'll be releasing some more new home products. So some more new items are coming soon. Nice. And then it'll be perfect timing because I think this episode will come out just a few weeks before that. So. Oh, nice. Perfect timing. Um, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So, so I'm curious with all the, in like picking new products and everything, how does the values of your brand impact your design and your design process and kind of the decisions that you make in regards to your brand? Um, so for my design process, um, it's really kind of all across the board. Um, like for example, I'm, I've been recently working um, on my spring collection, my spring summer collection that'll be launching in March. And when I started designing stuff for this collection, um, a lot of the stuff that I did last year and in previous years are really centered around, you know, being proud of, you know, having black or brown skin or, you know, being proud of being uh, a little bit more political um, based. And this year I really wanted to still keep that mission in mind, but, but also expand to just uh, like feel good vibes. Like I feel like the tide has changed a little bit recently Uh and I feel like we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, So I really wanted to take more of like a positive, um, um, just kind of happy go lucky um, direction for this new collection. So um, I, for the past couple of months, I've just literally been illustrating every night figuring out what works for me, what I'm into, what I'm not into, and also honing in more on like South American prints and um, really catering to my South American audience and Bolivian audience. Um, And when it came to my cut and sew items, um, when it comes to that and my design process, I actually search for the fabrics first. And then from there, I design the garments because um, mm-hmm. I'm a very print heavy brand. So I really gravitate towards colors and prints. Uh, so I sought out prints. And then from there, I created these um, silhouettes and garments. Uh, so it's going to be also a very print heavy collection as well with a new jumpsuit and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like this past collection was the most organized I've been in like kind of getting into that design process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most of the time it's just like, oh, like I really like this print um, or I, I really like that vibe or, um, and then I just like draw something up. But that was kind of like the design process for this past collection that's coming soon. Yeah, that's really fun that you'd like you're able to kind of feel you know read the room of like okay what what am I feeling what are other people feeling like what what should Mm -hmm. the vibe of this be and then kind of plan around that and then you know inspired by the materials I'm the same way like I I want I need to know the fabric first before I design something you know regardless if it's a print or not but especially if it's a print like it kind of needs to like speak to you you know exactly what it's going to become yeah Um, awesome so you, you talked about how like often you're, you know, doing a whole bunch of different things. And obviously as a, you know, one woman company, 
you have to split your time between, you know, marketing and business and design and production management and shipping stuff and everything. So how mm-hmm. do you divide your time among all those areas? <laughs> and like, what does a typical day look like for you? Oh, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a crazy wild ride to be a uh, majority one woman show. Um I really have to be organized. Um, I have uh, a very thorough planner that I write in. I'm like a very visual person. And I think it helps me when I write stuff down Mm -hmm. multiple times to know that this is what's going to happen the next day. So like the previous night before going to bed, I write my day out on like what my day is for, for the week. Um, and then the next day I wake up in the morning and that's my morning routine. Like, I'm like, okay, what do I, what did I write down that I have set out for this week? Um, and go according to that. And then like every Sunday I set out my week, like, let's say, um, for example, like, oh, I have, I'm emailing with this awesome podcast. Um, and, uh, we have a podcast, uh, scheduled for Wednesday. So, uh, on Sunday I'll, I'll like write down everything for the week and write down minor things that I've got planned, but then fully write down the night before like what I have planned for the next day and it's it's a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) um because some days it'll be like okay tomorrow it's an errand day so you're gonna go stop at the uh you're gonna go buy fabrics and then you're gonna stop at the sewer and then you're gonna stop at the pattern maker and then the grader and then the printer and then drop off this and drop off that um so I designate days when it's like that, where I'm going to be like driving around the city all day long. And then the next day will be like a simple day of just doing computer work. So I I try to find that balance. So I'm not completely overworking myself Mm -hmm. because it can be overwhelming when you're like a, a very small team. And I think a lot of small businesses can relate to this. You know, you don't want to you don't want to overwork yourself. You want to find that balance. And like a lot of us learn that the hard way um, where we just overwork ourselves and like put our business as priority and put everything about our business first. And sometimes we forget about ourselves. And then, you know, in a matter of weeks, we're crashing and we're having a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we forget to have those self-care days or those slow days. Um, so I try to find a balance. Um, it's all about organization for me, my planner, having that balance, um, and just planning, planning everything weeks in advance and then days, day by day as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate. I do a similar thing. I have like a note on my phone of like, Mm -hmm. this is what I need to do each day this week and try to limit it to these are the important things that I have to do. And then if I get done early, which rarely happens, then you know, add, add some of the want to do things to it. Right. But, yeah. 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 So yeah, it sounds like you're totally organized though in that way. Cause I mean, yeah. you kind of have to be running a business. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you, you mostly do everything yourself, but you do have a sewer. Um, mm-hmm. Are, is it just like the two of you then that are like doing all the work in your business? He's actually really amazing. He, um, I have a sewer and he's who I work with, but he has, um, three sewers as well that work in his studio. 
Um, but he pretty much sews all like him personally sews all of my garments. And if he's overworked with, cause he works with a lot of small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's overworked, he has the help of his, um, three sewers as well. So it's a small studio, but, but they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you like have connections to, to him and his studio? Like before you started your brand? Cause I feel like a lot of brands, um, especially small ones that want to do more like ethical small batch to, you know, mm-hmm. reduce waste and such, um, have a hard time finding the right, like factory or seamstress to work with, um, yeah, to do that. And so, you know, and you know, it's such a, it, it's a hard thing to find. So I guess, how did you, do you have kind of advice on, where to look or, or how to find the right fit for, you know, a production partner for a small brand? Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, it was kind of a journey for me because when I first started the brand, I was doing the only sewing, but it got to a point where like, I can't be doing the, you know, with everything else I do in, in the business, I can't be the sole sewer anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I sourced out um, a local business that's also women-owned in Los Angeles. And um, at the time when I started working with them, they had enough time to take on another brand uh, mm-hmm. and they were helping me out and uh, they were amazing. <clears throat> they did the patterns for me. They did the sewing for me. But since they were also um, an LA-based clothing brand as well, uh, they got overwhelmed and started to grow. Um, so that didn't, uh, pan out, uh, long-term. So I had to go search for another sewer and, um, based like there's a community here in Los Angeles. So there's a lot of small businesses who really help each other out, which is so great. And -hmm. I think that's why it's so important to network wherever you are to find that community, to find people that you align with, um, that could be your support system that, can help you out and um this amazing small business community in los angeles um i just kind of spoke to some friends and they guided me um to this sewer uh and he's been absolutely great ever since and he works with uh my fellow friends who also have small their small businesses that are also sustainable so he really um he really caters to to our formula of producing clothing which is great. So he's aligned um, with other businesses that do exactly what I do as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really great that you're to find that fit of, you know, used to working with brands that have similar business models and production Mm -hmm. models and, you know, brand values. Cause you know, production manufacturing, as I'm sure you know, is like a big part of you know, making, making the choices in that area, there's like, there's so many ways you can cut corners and not stay aligned with what your mission or what you really want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when you're able to find the right fit of, yeah, we both see things the same way and want to, want to grow this business and produce these products in the same way. That's, that's a really nice thing to find. Yeah. And that's why I originally sought out that, that first, um, business um because they also produce in that same way you know they produce you know low production low waste um um and of course I'm so happy for their growth and now that they're like crazy overwhelmed with so much work (laughs) um uh it's it's great to that it was 
a smooth process and a smooth transition going from that type of sewing where they're very conscious and sustainable and low waste to, to finding another sewer that exactly aligns with that. So I was lucky, but uh, for some people, you really got to search, mm-hmm. um, but it worked out for me. Awesome. Um, so I'm also curious, um, what is a moment that you're most proud of with Wasi? Ooh, let me see. Um, I guess most recently uh, in the past couple of months, um, I've been connecting more with a lot of uh, students um, hmm. who are in school and I've been connecting with a lot of colleges and universities. And I think at the moment right now, that's probably kind of in the realm of like proud moments because I think it's just really important and it's great that there's students out there who want to do their book reports or their presentations on brands like Wasi Clothing. You know, there's a lot of kids out there in the education system who are studying about sustainable fashion. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is finally trickling down into the education system, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, these are conversations that weren't being had before. And the fact that universities and colleges also want to, to talk about businesses like Wasi Clothing and others similar to it. Um, so I think for me, that definitely was, uh, one of the moments where I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm proud that like, you know, the education system has like Wasi clothing in a presentation in mm-hmm. their class. Um, because I think if it's, you know, if it's spreading into schools, that's great. That means that the, there's hope for the industry to change to even, better ways and better formulas and to see what to do and what not to do. Um, but yeah, I think, I think recently that's definitely been one of my peak happy moments, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, was like kind of those connections with schools and students something that you sought out, like knowing that that was, you know, something that was important to you to kind of educate the next generation of designers and, and, clothing consumers or were they reaching out to you that's the thing it's like I I wasn't really thinking about it 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 all just like kind of came to me like a lot of students reach out to me um and you know in like before the before the pandemic happened literally a week before we got into shutdown in Los Angeles I actually went to a friend's school to speak to her high school students She's an amazing teacher at this new school that teaches about sustainability. So I got to speak to these kids um, about how I produce clothing and stuff like that. And it was, she reached out to me, but once I got, I was like happy to obviously do it. But once I got there and I got to talking to these kids and the questions that they had, and one of the things that she had them do was to write like a post-it on like their biggest takeaway, uh, of me presenting all this stuff about Wasi clothing. And I, I remember reading all of these post-its and I was like, oh my gosh, these kids are so cute. Like they're, they, they, they have these big dreams and they were so vastly interested in this like sustainable process of fashion. And I think that's what kind of like woke up that, um, that interest in like teaching these next generation uh, of kids 
that I didn't know was was in me. Um, and then uh, as the year went on, uh, more kids, more students, more college students reached out to me. And most recently, I've been talking to a couple of universities um, that also just came to me. Like I, I didn't seek them out, but I'm like open arms and happy to like help out in any way when it does come my way. That's I'm excited to hear that more like students and like the education system is talking about sustainability mm-hmm. and you know the fashion industry as well because I feel like both of those things are not well uh, taught in yeah the current school system for the most mm-hmm. part so that's really fun um, so with the pandemic and everything how has that affected WASI? Like, I I can imagine being a smaller business, maybe in some ways that was helpful and, and you were, you know, were you able to, you know, keep producing new things because it was a smaller team and you're able to, you know, work more remotely safely or was there kind of a big impact for your business this past year? Yeah, well, it was kind of a crazy roller coaster journey because at the beginning of 2020, I had a full time job at a company um, that just kind of helped me financially sustain Wasi clothing because my business was still growing and it just wasn't I wasn't making enough for for me to be full time yet. But my goal was to get to full time Wasi clothing by the end of 2020. Uh, except that did not happen. Um, <laughs> I ended up getting laid off because of the pandemic. And the universe kind of forced me to take Wasi full time. And so um, around the time that I got laid off was also the time where I was producing a new collection of new cut and sew items with my new sewer. So um, we got put on lockdown and I had to really recalibrate how I was going to produce this new collection because there was, everything was closed down in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. There was nothing open. Um, I didn't want to put my seller at risk. So I had to halt everything. Um, and then, um, so that was the beginning of the roller coaster. And then because I had so much free time, um, I was like, okay, well, like, what can I do to grow this business? And I started designing more. And then I got on TikTok. And then I realized that TikTok is such a great platform for small businesses. And then that's when my business started to grow. And, um, and it was, it, it went great. It all went uphill from there. And that's the, that's the thing that um, it kind of, there's kind of a little bit of guilt there. And I think this is uh, with a lot of small businesses, a lot of commerce businesses did really well in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's odd to say that during a pandemic, things were actually going really well. Um, but it's, but, um, <clears throat> it was all a lot of hard work because with TikTok and also people becoming more conscious on their shopping, uh-huh. um, seeking out, seeking out POC brands and seeking out sustainable brands. Uh, my business did really well, but on the downside, um, I wasn't ready for that kind of volume. So a lot of my you know, a lot of the quantities that I typically would do in years before could not keep up with the volume. So I was 
I, I didn't have enough yardage on things. Everything was sold out because the industry was completely shut down. You know, production mm-hmm. stopped with manufacturers. So it was like this trickle down domino effect where things were great. There was like more people interested in the business, but there was such high volume and such high demand because that's all people were doing. They were just online shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a small business, you can't keep up with that volume all of a sudden. So I had to really navigate and figure out the best way to to run a business during all that but for the most part like I am so grateful and happy that I was able to sustain Wasi full-time through through 2020 um and yeah now after a year of this pandemic I'm happy to say that I have uh Wasi clothing as a full-time job now yeah, congratulations. That's like a big step of <laughs> to be able to do that, especially yeah. with last year. So right, I'm yeah. sure there are some, a lot of big challenges. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, with kind of the, I guess you could call them like the growing pains of a small business, like, gr- you know, growing too fast or not, not necessarily too fast, but growing very quickly. Um were there other things that, that you noticed or you experienced as challenges since you're a, you know, woman-owned, one-woman business that's self-funded and, Oof, you know, yeah. growing quickly? And, like, how did you kind of overcome some of those challenges? Um, yes, there was definitely a lot of challenges. There was definitely some hard days uh, in 2020. Um, that's when I had to, you know, that's when I realized that I needed to find a balance where like I was completely overworking myself. I was putting, um, my business first, my customers first, and I was forgetting about my mental, my mental health and my physical health. Um, Mm -hmm. that was one of the challenges and, you know, with my business growing and it, and it grow, it grew exponentially, you know, at the beginning of 2020, I, had an audience of, I would say maybe 6k. And now I have an audience of about, of about like 30k. Wow. So with that, yeah, with that growth, you have, uh, you know, almost, you know, over 20,000 new people who are just finding out this brand. And I think a lot of people uh, on the internet um, don't seek out infor- like proper information. So a lot of people with that growth, there also came a lot of criticism. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges because a lot of people assumed things of the business. Um, And I had to constantly have to explain myself, this is a small business, it is low production, it is low waste, like the prices are this way because it is sustainable and ethical. So a lot of the time I was having to re-educate a new audience um, that, that that is new to this type of formula in this new business you know some people aren't used to um not getting their package you know two-day prime yeah um, oh my gosh shipping last fall was like crazy right so that was one you know you had shipping challenges that people aren't used to and they want to support a brand because they like you know what you're producing but you know they have these standards that amazon has unfortunately created for a lot of other businesses and then um, you know, with being a small business that's still growing, um, you know, there's still so much more expansion to happen. So I would love to be inclusive of so many more sizes, but being a small business with no capital, there's so much I can do. So, 
Um, I think that was one of the challenges with having to let people know on a constant basis, like, hey, I know you're new here. Um, this is the spiel of the business. This is why it's run the way that it's run. And I'm hoping to expand more and um, offer more, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a, there is a list of challenges being, <laughs> being a woman <laughs> business, being a woman small business. You deal with crazy, angry customers who don't understand this new formula. And then uh, there was moments where, um, and I've had moments with, with men who treated me so horribly um, just because they, they had to wait a little bit longer for, for a package or just insulting me in ways. And being a very outspoken brand, you know, I had to deal with a lot of trolls as well. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it's, it's a lot of challenges, but um, I, I think that's where that work and life balance has to come into play. You really have to take care of yourself you really have to take those self-care days when you have these challenges, challenging days here and there. So I definitely figured out the balance in that after last year. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, so kind of what you were saying about having to educate your, your, your audience and also um, you mentioned like joining TikTok and then being outspoken on, on different issues. Um, mm-hmm. are there certain guidelines or like, how do, how do you join those conversations, especially on social media, um, and be outspoken about the things that you care about while keeping that balance? Cause I think, you know, it, it's great to do that, but sometimes social media can be like the worst place to have those conversations because you do right. run into those people that just, you know, they can hide behind their computer and be nasty and with no, mm-hmm. cons- you know, few consequences, so, and I mean, that can, that can just suck your time and also have a toll on your mental health too, to have to deal with that. Right. So do you have kind of any advice or have you learned anything over the past year about balance of staying active and in, in, in conversation while still kind of maintaining your own peace and values too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, here's the thing with with me it's like I'm very outspoken um you know I do my research um I make sure that I double check triple check before I post especially on my clothing brands account um and you know for the most part like 98 percent of the time people respond to it well um and you know being a woman of color business I think people really really listen, um, and, and want to have these conversations. Um, and, you know, I try to keep it, um, I try to keep it like subdued and like, I wouldn't say neutral, but like, you know, I'm not going to be like going off the walls on an angry rant, um, on my clothing brands account. Um, but I do stand up for, you know, the bigotry, for the hatred, for, for all, you know, the negative stuff that, ha- you know, has been happening in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody has their, their, their own level and their own definition of, of, of what it means to be like a model, um, radical, empowering person. So, you know, for the most part, like I said, 98% of the people always responded well but there's always certain people who are either going to be disappointed because you're, they're too radical that, that you're too radical for them. 
And then there's other people who are going to respond. You're not radical enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you not outspoken. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think people assume, assume a lot of things, um, you know, being part of the Bolivian community, being part of the Latina community, being part of the people of color community, um, you know, uh, p- some people look up to you and they, they expect you since you have this larger platform that compared to them, they have these expectations for you um, that you should handle things or speak on things um, a certain way. And I definitely saw that in the last year of people having these, ex- these super high expectations and assume and these assumptions about me and being disappointed because I didn't speak on a matter or I said the wrong thing. And I really learned that, you know, and, and I think this, like, for anybody who, like, believes in astrology, I think this is uh, my, my, my downfall being a Libra. I'm like, I just want to be liked by everyone. <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to see that some people are not pleased um, in the way that I speak on things or handle on things. So the thing that I constantly have to remind myself is that you can't make everyone happy. You can't please everyone. There's always Mm -hmm. gonna be one person out there who's gonna be disappointed because I think that more recently, and I'm definitely at fault for this as well, like I've definitely caught myself, but there's this superiority complex on like who's better than the other, like, oh, I'm I'm more politically driven than you, I'm more more radical than you, or I'm I'm this, I'm that. So I think there's that, that uh, double-edged sword Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it comes, when it comes to this. And that's, you know, and that's what I sign up for, you know, being a person of color brand who's outspoken about these social issues that happen, you know, I I sign up for it. And, um, you know, I sign up for receiving praise or backlash from both sides. Um, And at the end of the day, I am okay with that. I'm not going to please everyone, but at least I'm speaking on the issues that I think are important to speak on. Um, and I'm speaking them, um, you know, with my own narrative. Um, and I think that's important to, to, to listen to when, you know, people of color are speaking on these issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very well said. Yeah. You you can't please everyone. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of have to have your, your guiding of like, this is, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. And I need to, yeah, not be, not get too down if you know one person is disappointed Um, it's crazy it's crazy on the internet these days I know I know and it like even as a fashion fashion brand like last year like all these brands that that are like totally would never talk about anything political at all Mm -hmm. you know all, all of a sudden now there's so much criticism like if you don't say anything and so they're all like jumping into the conversation but like you know it's like do you really say like are you just jumping on the bandwagon or are you not like I know you aren't right like so it's like there's more there's like yeah there's so many more expectations to as a brand now I feel like to join Mm -hmm. those conversations and I think a lot of people are still figuring it out and then there's yeah so much so much expectation from consumers too Um, yeah and I and I think with like large corporations, you know, it, you know, they, they're a whole other monster in themselves, but like being a small business, you know, being like a one person team, 
you know, it's so, I think a lot of people don't see that it's so much to not only be running a brand behind the scenes, but to also be speaking on these issues mm-hmm. at, at the right yeah, time. Yeah, it takes a lot of time to like get your facts straight and yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like there was a couple of instances where like I didn't speak on something so immediately and, you know, got backlash on that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, I'm a clothing brand and of course I'm going to speak on these issues, but I'm going to speak on them on my time because, you know, I'm a one woman business handling this social media, handling everything else that happens behind the scenes. And I'm going to do my proper research before posting something. And I'm, I'm going to properly write something um that I think is good to put out there so I think a lot of people just really want people to just speak on it immediately um and sometimes you just gotta take a step back take a moment and and approach these social issues with the right mindset uh and the right time yeah I totally agree and I think that's great that you recognize and take take the time to do that because I think that that ends up more your the opinion is going to be better like you're going to say it better Mm -hmm. and it'll probably like go farther in making its impact too if it's not like a rant in the moment you know Um, right yeah so that's awesome um so did I see on your stories that you're working on something with the UN I am yes um are you allowed to share anything about that (laughs) (laughs) um not, I don't have too many details about it, but it's pretty much in efforts to really educate the masses on sustainable fashion and um, just kind of talk more about how sustainable fashion is, you know, the way that the future and, you know, fast fashion is, is, you know, definitely needs to be abolished um, due to so many reasons why fast fashion is, is so bad. Um, so that's pretty much the spiel of it, um, but I will be releasing more details soon. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question that mm-hmm. I ask everyone at the end of the show. If you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design in Wasi, what would that be? Hmm. Let's see. What would I think for Wasi is in the way that I design and like just the mission of the brand and everything. I guess it's just important for me to share with the world that um, you know, representation matters, um, whether it is with culture, skin tone, um, gender identity, non-gender identity, you know, um, Mm -hmm. all across the board, LGBTQIA+, size, inclusivity, all of that, um, that representation matters, period. I think that's, at the end of the day, that's really what, um, Wasi is really striving for and and growing towards and I think the world needs to be to recognize that that's really important yeah awesome this has been a really cool conversation and (laughs) thank you for taking the time to do this where yeah thank you for having me yeah where can people find more about you online and follow what's coming next for Wasi and then more details about the UN thing when they come out um you can find wasi clothing on ig or on tiktok at wasi clothing it's called it's spelled w-a-s-i clothing and you can shop at wasiclothing.com i usually post all of my updates 
and all my gossip on IG stories. So you can tune in on IG um, and you can see a lot of behind the scenes of how all the stuff is made on TikTok. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Well, well, thank you for joining me today, Vanessa. Yeah, this was a lot of a lot of fun to chat. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Hanus, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.